This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, October 4th. I'm Rob Bluey. And I'm Virginia Allen. On today's show, Rob talks with two guests who are facing social media censorship. Greg Wrightstone is a geologist and the executive director of the CO2 Coalition, who is currently banned from LinkedIn. And Don Kirchhoff is a conservative from Texas whose Facebook posts are being suppressed. And they're not alone, Virginia. Just last week, the Daily Signal had our own run-in with Twitter when our video on the Border Patrol's Horse Patrol program was censored. I'm grateful to Greg and Don for speaking out and hope that others who encounter censorship do the same. Absolutely. Well, and following those two interviews, we also read your letters to the editor and share a good news story about a father and daughter who started a nonprofit organization to donate RVs to families who have lost their homes in California's wildfires. Before we get to today's show, Virginia and I want to tell you about the best job placement program for conservatives. It's called the Heritage Foundation's Job Bank. The Heritage Foundation Job Bank connects conservatives of all career levels to jobs with conservative employers all over the country for free. If you sign up, the Job Bank will send you new job openings every week and invite you to their virtual job fairs and career seminars. The Job Bank team also offers one-on-one career consultations. Signing up is easy. Just go to heritage.org slash job bank and click register today. Now stay tuned for today's show coming up next. We are joined on the Daily Signal podcast today by Greg Wrightstone. He's a geologist and executive director of the CO2 Coalition. He was also recently banned from a social media platform for writing about climate change. Greg, welcome to the show. Oh, good to be on with you. Too bad it's in this type of a situation, though, but but thank you for having me. Well, we want to make sure you have a voice to talk about these issues, and the Daily Signal is is certainly a place that you can do that. You know, Greg, so often we hear about social media censorship from the likes of Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Now, apparently, we can add LinkedIn to that list, uh, thanks to you. Tell us what you did to be permanently banned by LinkedIn. I think I was too successful promoting uh, the science, the facts, and the data that dispute this notion of man-made catastrophic warming. Uh, I was, I posted very interesting and very scientific, but interesting charts and facts uh, on temperature data through time, uh, CO2 relationship with temperature, uh, to show that throughout geologic, and I'm a geologist, throughout geologic time that CO2 really hasn't been control, the control knob of the Earth's climate, uh, things like that. And I was getting, uh, I would post things and I would get 20, 25,000 views within 24 hours, uh, getting a huge number of people signing up uh, to be connections with me. Some days I might have 12 or 15 people uh, signing up and I had a large following and uh, I think it became too much. I, I, I got a couple trolls on, and it really, I think it escalated when I blocked a couple of them. They just got nasty. Um, and this was in May and June. Uh, they started taking down my posts. Uh, again, this was this is material that's uh, from NOAA, NASA, uh, and I, I'm I'm I've been accepted as an expert reviewer for the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. So I'm part of that process. I've been recognized as an expert on climate. Um, I just disagree with some of their their conclusions on what the science says. Uh, And I posted this science, and um, 
as I would post it, uh, it would be removed. They said it's false and misleading. Uh, this culminated in, I believe, July of this, just a few months ago. Uh, the la they said, you've been banned. Your account was restricted to multiple violations of LinkedIn's user agreement, blah, blah, blah. And, and this is where it gets good. You can't make this stuff up. The last post that I had, it, I, I stated, it appears that I've been targeted by the LinkedIn overseers for elimination and deplatforming, and then I went on. So I predicted that I was going to be deplatformed and banned on LinkedIn. Well, that post was removed as false and misleading, and then they banned me, if you follow me. So I, my post said, I think I'm going to be deplatformed. They said it was false and misleading, and then they deplatformed me. And, and uh, you, you don't know whether to laugh or cry when it comes to things like this. And uh, it's, it's just part of this cancel culture. And I sat back and thought about it. I had such a great following, and I said, I'm going to go ahead and appeal this. So I did appeal it. I said, I'm going to follow your, your uh, LinkedIn's user agreement. And here's what I said. I said, I will only post factually correct information. That's what I said. I will only post factually correct information. They got back to me within 24 hours, and they said, nope, you're banned. We, and they, they, this is a quote from them. Um, this type of content is not allowed. So this type of content, they're referring to my request and statement that I will only post factually correct information. Again, you don't know whether to laugh or cry. Um, all I can imagine, there's some, there's, there's some guy sitting in a California office in his home with a man bun and tattoos. Not that I'm opposed to tattoos and man buns, but you know, with, with a degree in um, sustainable development from San Jose State, just gleefully hitting the ban or the censor button. Uh, and I've, I've asked, too, uh, when, I, when things would be uh, labeled false and misleading, I said, okay, I'm a geologist, degree geologist, expert reviewer for IPCC. Those are my qualifications. What are the qualifications of the reviewers? And, of course, they would never respond to that. Um, so there we are. Um, I'm banned for life, apparently. Now that you've been banned for life from LinkedIn, have you turned to other social media platforms to get your message out? Uh, well, I, I joined the CO2 Coalition in January, beginning of January as their executive director. Uh, we have a history, we, and of course we have a social media platform, and I just hired a new uh, uh, media and technology man, man, digital and, and communications manager for the CO2 Coalition. So yeah, we're doing this. Uh, the Facebook, Twitter, uh, trying to get on some of the other uh, media. We're, we're going to be doing a lot more videos and podcasts and live streaming. And we have a lot of things planned. So this this is a, is a setback. Um, we at the CO2 Coalition are no stranger to being censored. Uh, Facebook, in fact, last year, in fact, you, you daily uh, caller wrote us up a couple times about the Facebook problems we had with being attempts at censorship. We got a, a letter from Stacey Abrams, Tom Steyer, and the leaders of 19 other environmental groups demanding that Facebook uh, deplatform us and remove us for uh, continual false and misleading. You know, we're, we're science deniers, of course. And, and we could be nothing could be further from the truth. We're, we're a group of some of the top scientists in the world that are studying climate change. Dr. Dr. Richard Lindsay and Dr. Will Happer 
both atmospheric physicists uh, of some note, not just of some note, but legendary physicists. We've got Dr. Patrick Moore sits on our board, who was a co-founder of Greenpeace. Pat Michaels, a great climatologist. We have these all these scientists that believe, we all believe, um, that the Earth's ecosystems and humanity are thriving and benefiting and prospering from the combination of modest warming and increased CO2. Uh, we can see it by almost every metric. And, and when you say things like that, people are probably going, what? I've never heard that before. Um, but it's true. The earth is, is greening and thriving. Crops are breaking records year after year. Um, and again, it's, it's this combination of, of warming and, and increased CO2. Uh, so that we're getting, we're, we'll be getting the word out otherwise. Um, it's shame on LinkedIn. Shame on them. Uh, I can't help but think that the people in charge, maybe they, maybe they do want this type of censorship. Um, then again, I, maybe you give them the benefit of the doubt. It's just one renegade guy, uh, again, punching gleefully on the cancel button. Um, I don't know, but we're, we're, we're getting the word out uh, and, and doing that through lots of medium. In fact, I'll be, uh, uh, I'll be going to Nashville on Sunday and taping a seg- segment with Candace Owens for her next podcast uh, that'll be aired Wednesday. So, we, you know, there are ways of getting around this. When you get a mouthpiece like Candace Owens with millions of people, uh, I'll be able to get this message out through there. And the heck with LinkedIn. That's right. I mean, I think increasingly, obviously, we we depend on social media platforms to share news and information. And we do that ourselves at The Daily Signal. And we have faced our own uh, uh, efforts of of these platforms trying to censor our content. So we definitely understand the ramifications of this. My question for you is, why is it on an issue like climate change that the left feels that they need to resort to these types of tactics in order to advance their agenda? We're dangerous. They cannot allow our factually-based presentations to to get out to the public because what we say makes sense and it's backed up by science. We're, we're rational, thoughtful people that are scientists, that are distinguished scientists, and we're presenting this information. They cannot do it. They, I, I, I look at this on a daily basis in, in the... The, there's no way to, to sugarcoat it. Your listeners are being lied to on a daily basis about climate change and its ramifications. Not that it's not happening. Of course it is. We've been warming for more than 300 years, long before we started adding CO2. Uh, the first 250 years was naturally driven. It had to be on. But we're being told, oh, well, that all changed in the middle of the 20th century. No, it didn't. Those same natural forces are acting in, at today as they have for millions of years. And it's this kind of information. We post the information confronting things like this false notion of the sixth, next sixth mass extinction. Uh, I blew that up with by looking at the same data that the UN claimed that there would be one million species going extinct. And, and I, over the next several decades, I looked at the same data and found that the average per year extinction was two species per year, not the 25,000 that they're predicting. Uh, we see that fires are actually in decline. The area burned in the United States, while it has been slightly increasing over several decades, is uh, a fraction of what it was 80, 90, and 100 years ago. So fires are declining. Landfalling hurricanes are declining. All of these things, if you look at the science, 
it flies in the face of these claims that are made by Joe Biden and the alarmists uh, and the, the, the climate industrial complex, I call it. Greg, one of the things that is on my mind as a, as a parent, and I know that we hear frequently from a lot of our audience, is that in schools today, you can't escape this. I mean, they are confronted, you know, from a very early age, probably kindergarten on a, up, uh, where uh, they're they're taught certain things and, and they're not given the full perspective or even the facts that uh, you yourself are trying to share in this case on LinkedIn. What are some of the things that you would encourage our listeners to do, whether it's for their own own sake or for their kids' sake or grandkids' sake, uh, to make sure that they have access to the truth? Well, we're working, and we recognize that at the CO2 Coalition. Our membership, uh, again, of scientists and engineers and ex- climate experts uh, recognize just what you're talking about, and, and we're working to fix that. We've brought in educational experts uh, Dr. Sharon Camp uh, is leading that. She's an educator. We're writing lessons plans. We don't believe we'll be able to get our information in the public schools. I think we, we look at them, we recognize that's just not going to happen. So what we're doing is targeting the homeschooling crowd that's large and growing uh, with lesson plans, experiments to do. Um, and we can use this climate change uh, for, it's really pretty cool how we can bring in just all sorts of science uh, concerning photosynthesis and and things like that, uh, and teach kids basic science, uh, and and send them a message uh, again that's that's not indoctrinating them, but providing science and teach the scientific process to the children. And so we're we've got a new website we'll we'll be launching shortly, and we've got a, a section called the Kids Corner. We'll be having the educational videos we're in the process of working with through children a series of children's books uh we're t- we've teamed up with a group out of the out of brazil called the intellectos uh, we're working with them on books uh they're, they're a science-based group down there trying to sp- spread truth about brazil and the amazon rainforest uh so it's there's a, there's a lot that we're trying to do to to uh uh, further this information and get it out there. And you can learn more at the CO2 Coalition, or excuse me, CO2Coalition.org uh, to learn more about our group. Yeah, I see on your your, your website that you uh, encourage people to see for themselves, uh, to make up their own mind, essentially, and, and not necessarily believe the narrative that might be prevailing in the media or from our politicians. And, and when it comes to some of the challenges that I think we face with v- that very notion, that's one of the reasons we started The Daily Signal to create a, another news source for information for Americans to get information. What is what is it that going forward uh, you intend to do with with LinkedIn? I know you've gone through the appeals process. Do you feel that there might be an opportunity in the future to get them to reverse course, or have you given up hope on that and maybe just move on to another platform to get your information out to the public? Um, perhaps they hear this. Perhaps they get. I, I know a lot of people have. have uh, gone away from LinkedIn, they've heard about this and other events, maybe we'll shame them enough that they'll take another look at it. I mean, clearly, if I say I'm only going to post factual information and they come back and say, no, it's not allowed, uh, you know, you would think somebody in charge would take a look at this after they hear about this, hopefully, uh, this podcast uh, or other other things we can talk about. uh, and, And they'll say, boy, somebody made a big mistake. Um, and then I would go back on, uh, again, cause it was, 
it was quite a quite a good pr- platform for me in disseminating disseminating the science, the facts, and the data. Well, Greg, thank you so much for for joining the Daily Signal podcast today. We uh, we appreciate it. Again, the website is co2coalition.org. And for those of you who are following Greg on on LinkedIn, you do have uh, an ability to to sign up for updates on on his website. So there still are other vehicles where we can get the information in in your hands. And uh, the Daily Signal uh, is certainly um, uh, you know there to to carry this story and expose other examples of social media censorship because I think it's so important, critically important, that uh, Americans have access to this information and aren't blocked by the big social media platforms. So Greg, thank you for the work that uh, you do and. We look forward to to following updates and hopefully a better resolution with LinkedIn in the future. Hey, thank you so much, and 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 I I love the work you're doing there. My wife and I both get your your daily emails, and it's one of the first things we read. So thank you for your work. We appreciate it. Stick around after the break. We'll hear from Don Kirchhoff about his battle with Facebook about posts that are being suppressed. Do you have an interest in public policy? Do you want to hear lectures from some of the biggest names in American politics? The Heritage Foundation hosts webinars called Heritage Events Live. These events are free and open to the public. To find the latest Heritage events and to register, visit heritage.org events. Don Kirchhoff is a native of Texas, a Heritage Foundation supporter, and a Heritage Action Sentinel. He's also one of the many conservatives who have experienced censorship on Facebook. Don, welcome to the Daily Signal podcast. Well, good morning. You and I first met at a Heritage Foundation event back in 2018, at which point you shared some of the troubling experiences you had at Facebook, and I attempted to intervene and put you in touch with some folks there uh, to help sort this out. Uh, sadly, three years later, it seems that you're still fighting to make sure that your content is being seen on the platform. Can you tell our listeners your story? I had uh, learned how to use Facebook probably at least 10 years ago, and Facebook continued more and more to uh, prevent me from posting things. I would be blocked Uh, three days at a time, a week at a time. And then eventually, I think it was in April of about 2018, they just completely shut down my account. It it was as if I never existed on Facebook. And uh, Rob, that's uh, the time I spoke with you and you put me in touch with a person in Facebook. And uh, two or three days later, I was back up uh, posting as normal, as if I had never been shut off. And uh, for the last two or three years, most of my posts have not had difficulty unless I crossed, um, I guess, uh, values with a group of uh, liberals out there. And I believe what they would do is they would send messages to Facebook that I was doing something against their community standards. And Facebook gradually more and more began, I believe, shadow banning me. So when that would happen, I would simply uh, do a a screenshot of the evidence I had and I'd send it to this contact I have, you gave me in Facebook, and things would seem to get better. But in the last couple of months, the shadow banning has become severe. In fact, some of the just outstanding information, fact-based conservative information that I would post would get no views 
uh, no attention whatsoever. So I've, again, in the last couple of months, began sharing screenshots of that type of information with Facebook. And I really don't know what they're doing about it because I, I don't know what's being done behind my screen. Don, uh, for our listeners who might not know the term shadow banning, it's something that members of Congress here in Washington have experienced, as well as users like yourself. Uh, can you explain what you are sharing when you contact Facebook and what you mean by shadow banning? When I contact Facebook, it's because a post of mine, which could be a, a, an article prepared by the Heritage Foundation or the, the Daily Signal or the New York Post, any of these really great fact-based conservative pieces of information. And to, I, I, I believe shadow banning to me means that when I post it, there's no activity. There are no likes, no dislikes, no comments, no shares, or very, very few. To me, that's what shadow banning is. In other words, I put something out there, but nobody can see it or do anything with it. You're absolutely right, and we'll, we'll share some of those screenshots so our, our users can log on to DailySignal.com and see for themselves what you mean. Uh, it's really, you've shared them with me, and it's really interesting. Uh, we certainly appreciate that your help sharing Daily Signal stories and Heritage Foundation content. My question for you is, does it appear to you that Facebook is taking issue with the specific sources of news and information, or is it posts from conservatives like yourself, as you said earlier, whose values might not align? I really believe it's both. Uh, I think some of the material I've posted, such as the Daily Signal or New York Post, from what I hear and read in the media, those sources are already being uh, censored by Facebook. So it's not a surprise to me that when I post them, they are also censored on my Facebook page. But I think they are censoring me personally, and I think that's driven most of the time when there is an issue or content, in, and it might be on socialism or the border problem, if I post something like that on a more liberal uh, Facebook page, I, it's then that I th can associate with that a more, more uh, higher frequency of censorship on my own page. So I think that part is personal because I become too visible out there in the liberal uh, posting groups. Well, and I think that's interesting because you've said you've investigated some of these liberal or left-leaning Facebook groups, and you've discovered that uh, in, in looking at some of their own posts and the content in those groups, the same type of thing isn't happening. So what did you discover as you poked around yourself on the platform, and, and what did you find? What I find is on those liberal groups, uh, postings on the same content, but a liberal-leaning view, there can be hundreds and even thousands of, of activity, actions on those posts, whereas if I post conservative content uh, on my Facebook page, it is what I call uh, uh, banned. Nobody can see it. Therefore, there's no action on it. Same, same issue, just a different point of view. Don, taking a step back, you mentioned that you've been active on Facebook now for about a decade. Why is Facebook an important platform for you to be sharing this type of political or policy type of information? That's a great question because on Facebook, you can put out more information and you can engage people. 
these discussion threads become very educational. For example, my view is that I need to help push back on false information on some of these subjects put out by the liberal media and, and therefore engage people in discussions, both who have the same view as mine or who have, have an opposing view. That's welcome on my Facebook page. It's really interesting how people with both my view and, and a more liberal view on a subject will get engaged in uh, Facebook discussions. But if the conservative view is shadow banned or prevented from reaching the public, those intellectual discussions can't even take place. That's so true. And and, and we appreciate you taking the time uh, that, that you want to engage with uh, your uh, fellow users on on Facebook, those friends and others who might be in Facebook groups with you to have those types of conversations and discussions. I've noticed a change myself on Facebook, and I'm wondering if you can pinpoint a moment when you feel that uh, Facebook started to change in terms of how it was allowing you to share content. Was it sometime during the Trump presidency? Was it before that? Was it just recently? Uh, or, or has this been changing over the course of the last five years in a way that is increasingly restrictive? I think it's been changing gradually over a long period of time. I think it got significantly worse this summer. Um, Why, I don't know. Um, I I, I just don't know why, because I can't see what's going on in Facebook. All I can see, in my view, is what the outcome is as impacting conservative information I try to post. Facebook, unlike some of the other social media platforms, has created an oversight board. It's separate from the company. It makes big decisions, including things like should President Trump be banned from the platform? Of course, that was a decision earlier this year that they said Facebook can't indefinitely do that. They have to come up with some criteria. Do you think that something like an oversight board is is a good development? And have you thought about appealing some of your cases to the oversight board to see if maybe you can escalate it to that level? Well, the answer is yes. In fact, I have been sharing some information. The same information that I send to the Facebook content, I also am copying an attorney in Washington, D.C. And uh, you may not remember, Rob, but it is the same attorney who you put me in touch with uh, in uh, 2018. And for a while, he would respond every time I provided information. He even got me involved with a Facebook questionnaire that was helping to sort of, I guess, define the who would be on this kind of board. And I, I continue to send that information to him, but I don't know what, if anything, is being done with it. Well, I think that that's the frustration. They they do take a limited number of cases, so uh, and, and usually the ones that they do take are are, are fairly high profile. But uh, but Don, whatever we can do to to help, uh, certainly um, you know consider us. Uh, I know you're sharing a lot of content that we produce, so we certainly have a stake in this game as well. I, I wanted to ask you what your advice is to others who might find themselves in a similar situation and be listening to this interview today. Again, that's a good question, too, because I see people making comments about being banned themselves or, or blocked completely. So when that happens, I direct message them and, and ask them to contact me on my email address. And when they do, I give them the contact in Facebook to whom they can send uh, detailed information on what's happening to them. So, uh, yes, uh, I, I can be contacted by email. The problem is there are so many direct messages every day, I, I just cannot see them. 
But if I know somebody's going to direct message me in a narrow window of time with a problem and can t contact me by email, I happily put them in contact with this uh, Facebook person. Well, Don, we appreciate the, the work that you're doing to, to help others and, and also to, to spread uh, the conservative message. Uh, as, we, as we wrap up the interview here, I want to give you a moment to just share what it is about conservative principles and the values that you believe in that inspired you to, to become active uh, as, a, as a grassroots activist involved with the Heritage Action and the Heritage Foundation. Uh, was there something in your life that motivated you to take this step? Yes. When it became apparent that the only two nominees for president in the Democrat Party was going to be either Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton, that got my wife and my attention. Up until that point, we simply had our careers, we raised our family, uh, we minded our own business, and we voted. And that was the extent to which we became politically involved. But when the Democrats were going to have only one of those two as a candidate, we joined Tea Parties and we began traveling, particularly to Washington and attending conferences on how to become an activist. It's there that we became involved with the Heritage Foundation. It is at that time they set up Heritage Action. Uh, we joined immediately. We were among the first to join. This group, more than any others we became in contact with, were action-oriented. We wanted to do something, not just talk about it. And that's what we're enabled to do in Heritage Action because of the great resources we get in that group. Well, and of course, Heritage is the, the parent organization of the Daily Signal, and Heritage Action is, uh, is a strong uh, independent partner of, of ours. So, Don, we appreciate your, your leadership and your efforts uh, there in Texas, and we'll uh, continue to keep in touch. Thank you for, for speaking out and, and giving voice to some of the concerns that I think so many other conservatives have experienced on platforms like Facebook. Well, Rob, thank you for being there when we needed help. Uh, we really appreciate everything. Heritage Foundation and Heritage Action provides for us. Thank you, Don. It's because of support from listeners like you that we can continue to produce podcasts like Heritage Explains and SCOTUS 101. And you can help us keep it up by going to www heritage.org slash podcast today to make your tax deductible gift. Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature our favorites on this show. Virginia, who's up first? Pierce Smith writes in saying, Dear Daily Signal, I think you're doing very well. You are practical, down-to-earth, and make an awful lot of sense. Don't stop. Someone needs to listen, i.e. the federal government. They are a miss and need guidance big time. And in response to Emily Smith's commentary, I protested my university's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Here's what happened. Bob Carruthers writes to The Daily Signal, My morning inspiration. It's refreshing to know young people can think for themselves and act accordingly. Thank you for the article, and thank you, Emily Smith. Your letter could be featured on next week's show, so send us an email at letters at dailysignal.com.
The Heritage Foundation has a new website to combat critical race theory. CRT, as it's known, makes race the centerpiece of all aspects of American life. It categorizes individuals into groups of oppressors and victims. The idea is infiltrating everything from our politics and education to the workplace and even our military. Heritage has pulled together the resources that you need to identify CRT in your community and the ways to fight it. We also have a legislation tracker so you can see what's happening in your state. Visit heritage.org CRT to learn more. Virginia, we love starting the week out with a good news story. Over to you to share one today. Thanks so much, Rob. Wildfires in California have taken thousands of homes over the past few years, and individuals who have lost their houses often have to wait months for emergency housing. Woody Faircloth of Colorado was watching the news one night in 2018 when the campfire was ravaging California. He heard the story of a man who escaped the fire in his RV and was extremely thankful to have somewhere to call home. That gave Woody an idea. In a recent interview, Woody told Colorado and Company KUSA that the man's story inspired him to find an RV and deliver it to a family in California who had lost their home to a wildfire. It was Christmas time, and Woody decided it would be a fun project for him and his young daughter to do together. And I turned to her and I said, Luna, what do you think about getting an RV and taking it to a family in California who lost their home? And she had no teeth at the time. She just smiled and she said, Dad, God and Santa Claus are going to be so proud of us. So it was on. That was what started it. Woody launched a GoFundMe campaign to raise money for the RV, which he and his daughter Luna delivered to a family in California. But word quickly spread about what the father and daughter were doing. And people began contacting Woody and offering to donate their motorhomes. The nonprofit Emergency RV quickly took shape. Now we've we've delivered over ninety RVs, um, and you know, there's usually two or three people in a in a family that we help, and you know, it's just been an amazing journey. And you know, we we set out to deliver one RV, and once we saw what a powerful impact you can have by providing such a basic human need as shelter to someone. Now we have this platform and, you know, it's just, we love to do this work and it really makes a difference. As Woody said, the nonprofit Emergency RV has now donated over 90 mobile homes to victims of wildfires in California. And even though Woody still has a full-time job, he says he and his nine-year-old daughter and their team of volunteers have no plans of slowing down their charitable work. The father and daughter are asking anyone who might have an old RV sitting in their driveway to consider donating it to the nonprofit to help the wildfire victims. You know, there's so many RVs that people use maybe once or twice a year or, or maybe haven't used in a few years that are sitting in storage and they're, they're paying the storage fees. If they donate it to our nonprofit, we can provide them the full appraised value as a tax deduction. And so it's really a win-win. We, we then take those RVs and we provide them to first responders, firefighters, and just regular families who've lost their homes in these terrible wildfires. 
If you would like to learn more or are interested in donating an RV, you can visit emergencyrv.org. And even if you don't have an RV to donate, the nonprofit also accepts financial donations, which are used to transport the mobile homes to the families in need and outfit those RVs with household essentials. Again, that website is emergencyrv.org. And we certainly applaud Woody and his daughter Luna for doing the work that they are doing to support so many families who have tragically lost their homes to California's wildfires. What a novel idea, Virginia. That is great. Thanks for finding that story today. I know. It really is novel and a a practical need, but so fun, especially for a father and daughter to do that project together. And always looking out and helping others. Well, we're going to leave it there for today. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on the Ricochet Audio Network. All of our shows can be found at dailysignal.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And be sure to listen every weekday by adding the Daily Signal podcast as part of your Alexa Flash briefing. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It means a lot to us and helps us spread the word to other listeners. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News. Have a great week. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Rob Bluey and Virginia Allen. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.